Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I'm living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is your hopefully wonderfully loved Alex. I am from the Northeast part of China, <laughs> and I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today, I want to talk to you, and I guess I want you to talk to us, you're younger than me, about Gen Z and millennials in the workplace. <laughs> I, I guess I'm squarely in Gen X or something. So mm. the workplace is changing in the United States, especially. So I, I read this article, uh, Yahoo.com News, Gen Z millennials disrupting the workplace. And this is not new to anyone nor to this show. We've talked about similar issues, but they are disrupting the workplace, not just because they're changing the workplace, but People are just saying, you know, I don't need a job. Mom doesn't <laughs> mind if I stay here, I guess. Or yep. maybe they, whatever, however they were able to work that out. They're just like, well, you know, you want me to work for, to do what? For how much? No. So they've just stopped working. And this is a wake up call for employers, according to the CEO of Randstad, where they say there is clearly a power shift underway as people rethink their priorities. So we've talked about, you know, how people have retired early or they're retiring to other countries. But, you know, people who don't aren't ready to retire are also just like, I'd rather work on myself right now or work on my other parts of my life or be in my band or whatever, or maybe go back to school. And they're not going <laughs> into work to work you know, at the diner for $7 to deal with people who are yelling at them. Yeah, it's a funny, not a funny phenomenon, but it's definitely a phenomenon now, like because of how I felt like the different generations are getting the gap is getting smaller and smaller. I felt like maybe like people who are in their 40s Mm. and people in their 50s are, you know, more or less alike. But if you're talking about right now, like people who are in their 30s and people in their mid 20s, they're like drastically different. It's like the years of the different gens mm. are getting sh- smaller and smaller and it shows up in companies in, in like, in, for example, my mm. company, it's really, it's really obvious because my team has, I think our age gap is, um, we have almost like a 15 years age gap. Like the oldest person on our team is 38, the youngest mm, is mm, mm. 25 and someone who's 22 that it's is going to join very soon and you really see you really see the difference in the way they treat work and most mm. importantly who they are at work and that's like a really almost intangible thing mm. for people who are gen x you know uh, uh to or even some of the millennials to deal with gen z like they don't understand why certain things are important. Before I jump in with all my own ideas, I want to follow up with some questions about what you just said. So you say that you can see a in, an intangible difference in the approach to work for people who are a little bit older and a l- little bit younger. Could you elaborate on that for us? So I see that um, we have some of the younger team members who are fresh into the workforce almost. And this is, you know, their first big corporate job. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a leading uh, company in the industry, in the world, even and they're full of hope when they join this. They feel like they've made a very well thought out decision of why they wanted to work with this company, why they wanted to be on this team. And they did. They were, um, you know, they were really trying to put all of their heart and soul into it. And then for a good amount of months when they first started a job, 
they almost tire themselves out trying to do mm -hmm. the best they can. And then they realize that they can't, like they, it's impossible, it's humanly impossible for them to perform all of the duties that are required of this role. Mm -hmm. And then they slowly like kind of learn to, or maybe it's overnight thing or whatever, but they all <laughs> start to realize that this is not what I want. And they have that kind of, not rage, it's not that bad, but they have the, the opposition to what their leader, what their supervisor wants them to do just because this is mm. what the job, you know, requires them to do. They're like, I'm only getting paid eight hours a day mm. and I'm already being extra gracious to work 10 hours, which I think is very, you know, it's already like, you know, if you're getting paid to work eight hours, and you work 10 good enough but the leaders or whatever or the job just it just needs it's a fast company so it needs people to just keep going and the younger kids mm -hmm. are just mm -hmm. not happy with it and then if you look at the older uh employees of the company who people who are in their uh, 30s early 30s or older mm -hmm. they kind of just take it you know they are like well these things need to be done i'm i'll just i'll just do it and then when the younger kids confront the older i sorry i keep calling them kids when the younger employees confront the, the you know the more I, I call them kids too but not when they're around <laughs> I know and so like when they confront the the older employees and the older employees the gen the millennials or mostly the millennials employees will tell gen z employees and say this is the reality of china this is reality of internet mm -hmm. companies you know this is what you have to do if you choose to be in an internet company you know i want to talk about one of my friends in the context of what you just said and you know yeah. I, i'm not trying to contradict you because life is full of contradictions this i know a young man who is the opposite of what you're describing and it's really interesting and i think you you may be very right but i think my my friend may just fit into a different module or, or you know he's a square egg <laughs> in a square hole but he's a, he's a young man he's he's 26 <laughs> or 27 and he used to be i want to say cfo mm -hmm. but i'm actually not sure what his title was at his former a company that he you know was a co-founder of his company came apart mm -hmm. you know in a series of complicated deals that are way too much to go into i was there for the drama and it was not pretty <laughs> but he went he went to work for a giant a super giant chinese uh, <laughs> company a tech company high very very high tech company and they gave him an enormous amount of responsibility and uh normal pay not i wouldn't say high or low but you know a reasonable respectable paycheck mm -hmm. and now he is that guy that like lives at work and he's so proud wow. of his company yeah on his wechat he's like check out our new products and he's like jason you should be buying this one instead um, of that brand when like he just became you know that corporate guy overnight he went from actually his co-workers complaining that maybe he wasn't carrying his load whether that's true or not to being that guy in his new company that just takes on everything you know what that's um that's the difference that's like a huge difference here for me, people in big tech companies, if they could lead a project or mm, they could lead mm. a product. Because that's what he gets to do. Yeah, he, he is actually a leader. That's right? when they, yes. But when you're working in a functioning, mm. a supporting role, what we call the downstream of a product, like the core idea of what the product is, is not part of your job responsibility. Like when you're working downstream, it's, it feels very different. Like it, you don't get the excitement mm. of producing, you know, not as much as when you're designer, the engineer of this product so like that's a huge difference it's it's part of my feeling of you know not having ownership and then I, ah, the companies love using this word ownership now to everybody well like, you need to take ownership of yeah i know i'm i'm familiar uh, with that right, too yeah. doesn't it make 
made you feel like I left I left the corporate world like two years ago and they were constantly talking about ownership and using all of these rhetorical terms to make you feel like you should be working harder and that it's all about yeah it's such it's such nonsense (laughs) I am sorry I'm just like asking people to have ownership what do i what do i own excuse can, me can, can i complain a little too it's about my former corporate job please please one of the things that i really found frustrating was i was a mid-level manager for a huge international company one of the biggest companies on earth i'm not going to say their name and I uh the wild guess my leaders <laughs> would tell me to tell my uh direct line reports like a certain thing and if i i could not say i was told to tell you this by so and so or this is what the company wants you to do i had to tell them as though it were my idea and and if if oh i told God. them oh this is because upline they want us to do blah 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 i would get feedback from my superiors well jason it, when you when you tell people <laughs> that it's because your upline manager told you to tell people that that takes away from your leadership capability and people don't respect you. And I was like, in my head, I'm, I'm, and my mouth is saying, Oh, okay, no problem. I'll do it differently next time. And in my head, I'm thinking, you just don't want you to be responsible for this thing. And you want me to have to take responsibility for this thing that I don't agree with. And it's just a whole ludicrous, like you have to pretend to be someone you're not sometimes. And it's just really disingenuous. You know, I don't know if you're familiar. I know we're talking about Gen Z, but just very quickly before we get into that, but you know, I don't know if you observe, but the whole, MBTI uh, test results have been really pop, really popular on the internet. Mm, Everybody's mm. like in China, especially, yeah. Like just recent, like this couple of weeks as well, because we all knew it in college, but we never really. It never. I thought. I thought it was an old thing, but all of a sudden, everybody is like, yeah, I did it in college too, right? And then, so it's been around for so long and all of a sudden people are like, oh, what's your, what's your mayor bricks? And then I, before I joined the, (laughs) before I started working for my company, I took a test when I joined the new team. I was an INTJ at the moment. I don't remember what the other letters stand for, but the I was an introvert. (laughs) Four months Mm. later, I took the, I took the test again. I became at like an ESFP, whatever, basically like the performing kind of personality. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, what is, what is this job doing? Do you, do you know DISC? Do you know D-I-S-C? I I think so. It's similar to MBTI, but it's much simpler. It's like a really, really simpler, much simpler version of it. And I got so, I got trained on that like three different like formal go to this conference room trainings like over a few years as a mid-level manager and now i even now sometimes i'm thinking about people as and putting them into those categories in my head it's automatic at this point you know like i can't even not do it and like sometimes it's complete most of the time it's completely unhelpful (laughs) like it's just a way of stereotyping a person it it doesn't actually help me relate to that person i know but now people are like oh like you know an intj i'm making things up an INTJ <laughs> would have a better romantic relationship with an ENPF whatever like, I'm like you're blowing this way out of water now at this point it's not that you're not supposed to like tomatoes <laughs> that's not what my spreadsheet says I know I know and it changes it changes the result yeah, of your is, yeah. of your 
MBI, MBTI uh, personality changes. I mean, some of the questions are like, there's a term in logic called a false dilemma, where you could say either A or B, but there's actually a lot of different options. A lot of the kinds of questions is like and the way they yeah. try to package people that are like, well, actually, neither of these or both of them are the answer like I would choose, but you're making me choose one. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. you know, like, I agree. Okay, that one, I guess. I agree. It's, so. it's, it's really weird. Maybe what we're talking about is directly, I was going to say we're off point, but actually I think we're exactly on point. I think people who are working today, young people who are working today are looking at corporate culture and thinking, I don't need that, you know, because it's become so bizarre and like strange. People are estranged or divorced from this weird system that's been increasingly weighed down by itself. I I recently had this conversation with a a, a Gen Z employee of my team, and she was having some problems with how, you know, the rest of her team was working, um, how they were kind of being pressured by their mm, leader mm. to really work like crazy hours you know and then for her it's a matter of right yeah. and wrong like, my contract says her, like, i get off at six i should yeah. be able to go home at six i could choose to work a little more but you can't ask me to work more what i'm willing to do you know and then she for her it's a matter of saying yes or no mm. it's a matter of just rejecting and she just couldn't really understand why her teammates her coworker would kind of just, you know, um, surrender to that pressure from their leader. And it, it really mm-hmm. bothers me. I, I, I can relate to and understand that. I think, you know, it's really interesting in my current um, role, in my current company, I do stay light, late sometimes, but it's not because anyone asked me to. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like what you're talking about upstream, downstream. Sometimes I have ideas about how I can improve the quality of my work performance. Mm -hmm. I choose to stay late on some days or come in early on some days or work through lunch really hard on some days because it's my self-actualization of the how I can improve my own performance and I visualize the creative process and I control the creative process and I decide to do that. But if, if someone were to say today, you need to stay late, I would probably be resistant to that. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I mean, it's the same thing. People always, I know you're working, we're all working on a team for a company, but still like we all realize part of our own value when we're working on a team and when we're realizing our own value. That's when we're probably willing to put in more work, more hours for us to feel good about what we have to produce. But it's like the same thing, like when you're, when you're, when you're leader or when you're plus one, mm-hmm. so however you call them, you know, they're like, oh, you're not working hard enough. You need to work more to make the team better or make yourself better. That's when like, I don't think you get to judge me like that. <laughs> That's a lot of, I feel like I kind of st- like, I feel like I kind of stride between, straddle between Gen Z and millennials. I can understand. I really do understand both For sides. someone who's not in either of those generations, could you help me understand <laughs> what are... Well, actually, I want to go first, and then I'm going to ask you to differentiate okay. the two. I was in a giant conference in Shanghai at a big corporate meeting a few years ago, and they were trying to describe the difference between different generations. And this is uh, this was a, uh, a professional speaker who the company hired, and he this person... And his team travel around China doing these conferences. Mm -hmm. And he said that boomers essentially want to make money. People in my generation, Gen X, are like, 
essentially trying to become boomers. This is what he said. They, they, <laughs> they think that that model still exists and they're trying to like squeeze themselves into the, the money positions. And then that um, he, he said Gen Z is more interested in like self-exploration and like de- self-development. And he said, and millennials are more interested in how they can have a positive impact on the world, the environment and larger like human mm. human issues. Now, uh, I don't know if that's true because this guy was clearly a boomer. But <laughs> how would you characterize the difference between Gen Z and millennials? So first off, Gen Z and millennials in age, if you talk about the later Gen Z and the early, uh, sorry, the later millennials and early Gen Zs, they're very similar in age, right? So if we, mm-hmm. um, for those who are listening that are not completely clear about Gen Z and millennials, millennials are people who were born between, I think, 1980s until like mid 90s. And then people who were born after mid 90s, they're Gen Z. And then before that was millennials. So I am like millennial 100%. Right. Oh, I did. Mm-mm. Oh, you got inverted. So no, like I got it. Inverted. Uh, so millennials are people who are turning yeah, into I... becoming sort of an adult or going through puberty, becoming teenager during the millennium, mm. during like the, the year 2000 mm-hmm. and stuff. So that, was, that Y2K thing was terrible when the earth, when the world ended, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because in my generation, we thought, oh, the world might end. I know. And, and <laughs> for us, for us, I think the world was you know, in late 70s, early 80s, that's when basically every country started. I think the whole world has finally stopped uh, most countries, of course, uh, with like conflicts. It was like a peaceful couple of decades where every country is just like, oh, we're going to work on our economy. And we kind of, we were born during that. Like, I felt like a lot of millennials, you know, of course, we're talking about, you know, we're generalizing a, a generation that are currently in the workforce these kids probably people like me we probably didn't have like a very very difficult childhood growing up like we're pretty much satisfied we didn't have to really starve and then so like when we when we enter the workforce we're not like trying to we're not satisfied with the bare minimum we want uh we want to just fight to the top like we kind of saw the budding of like materialism and we want to achieve so much more of it growing up and we're like we're into workforce mm. we want to we want to be that whereas like gen z when they were born as they were getting to know themselves as human beings and getting to know this world they were born at the peak of information explosion like and then it's the speed of technology updating itself is so much faster than we were. And I know it's only a matter of like a decade, but the updating rate is so much higher when Gen Z, when Gen Zs are growing up. And so I feel like they are, they had so much more exposure to the world than we did. And it's not an acquired exposure. Like for us, when we were born, internet just had just started. It was just invented and it wasn't like a popular application mm. to the whole world. But for Gen Z, it's like, it's from like, if you think about it, now they're dealing with virtual reality it's not even connection anymore it's like (laughs) we're gonna give you a different reality so their brains are wired Mm. different from ours and so they're i feel like they're more inclined to question a lot of things and you know that's it's it's a double-edged sword but i think they're definitely a lot more i don't want to say abrasive but more brave to when it comes to having to confront Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. someone or something or even themselves 
I don't actually fully understand how they're more brave. And you mean like what makes them more brave in confronting something or standing up for something? What is how is that? I think for me, from the way I understand them or or a little bit about ourselves, like the younger generations of, of, you know, millennials, it's because people feel more confident with what like decisions they make or or opinions they have when they have more information Mm, mm, mm. and the internet actually gives a lot of people this kind of false information and it makes them feel like they have the support in their back pocket if they need it and like i think we talk about this like usually when you have an opinion you could before way before internet you could only talk to people that are around you and the chances (laughs) of everyone agreeing with you is very low but once you put it on the internet now you say hey i think you know uh uh i think durian is is tasty which i do think durian is tasty and then all of the people who think durian is tasty in the entire world people that you're never gonna have the chance to meet will come over and say yes i agree all of you can be wrong together <laughs> exactly and then, <laughs> durian is pre- have you been to malaysia have you been to malaysia no not yet there are, uh, okay firstly my wife loves durian and all of her family loves durian and i understand there's a huge durian thing i, I happen to not like it but when i, when I, when I was in malaysia uh-huh. uh there was obviously durians everywhere and uh, they have different varieties of durian and but there are actually signs in elevators and like in other places at airports and in bathrooms and stay that like no durian with like a like a red slash through it mm-hmm. i took pictures of these everywhere i went i have a collection of like 20 pictures from malaysia that are like no durian allowed no eating durian and like <laughs> I, I share that with people like whenever durian comes up okay <laughs> i mean durian is you know it's as an example but i i stand i stand by my statement I, yeah i see i see what you're saying so people are confident because because they can find lots of other people who share the same ideas with them on the internet using digital information. Yeah, and that's how they look at this world, I think. And so they are very, I think they are very, how should I put this? I think they're very reassured. They're super reassured about their opinions Mm, 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 mm. it's not necessarily a bad thing really Mm -hmm. because for us we grow up in a whatever environment we grow up around the people that we're used to when you enter a new environment and start interacting with a different group different crowd your thoughts and opinions get challenged and Mm, mm. when there's no reassurance of your old thoughts and opinions were okay you start to question yourself and for gen z i felt Mm. like that's not so much of what they do they feel they already got into the habit of you know if there is any sort of disagreement the first thing i think about is not that i'm wrong or my thoughts Mm -hmm. are not correct they will try to challenge back that actually i mean that actually i think it facilitates healthy debates around a lot of things but it also makes them you know they won't just come into a group or come into a new environment and think that i have to like like we say shave off our corners like shave off get out get rid of our edges to be part of the group they want to find the people they have the confidence they'll find people who agree with them. As we're a show that tries to look at angles from across the the oceans and, and different cultures, everything you're saying, you know, as an American makes sense to me as like from an American perspective. And but and you 
working in a Chinese environment and you're saying what sounds very much like an American environment is this the things that you're you're saying these are representative of your workplace here I think when it comes to generational behavior I think that might surprise a lot of actually pretty similar and I I similarity yeah because I think I really think I really think the internet has made things a lot different and then regardless of what people think you know people who are in China or outside of China regardless of what they think it's really like young people they're when it comes their their thinking patterns are very much similar like because I, I when I went to school in New York I was going to school with with kids um it's I was going to grad school but the school also has mostly undergrad students that I interacted with a lot and those were absolute gen z's mm-hmm. and i i watch how they behave i you know i was teaching i was interacting with them i was working with some of them and then when i came back you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's very similar like younger kids here is and maybe they're talking about different topics or they care about different fields but the way they think and look at life and even like interacting with their surroundings for me i really think it's it's very similar <laughs> Um, I'm going to shift the topic. I want to talk about another article really quickly. Uh, this is very much mm-hmm. about America. It's a it's Yahoo uh, Finance again. It is how much money Gen Z makes in every state. And I'm not going to go through every state. I picked three states. <laughs> I, cho- I chose one in the middle and one at the bottom end and uh, one at the top end. So that, that I took the, the peak and mm-hmm. the uh, valley where I'm from, California, which is a, actually kind of in the middle, which I surprised me. I thought California would be close to the top, but it's not actually. Yeah. So this is how much Gen, Gen Zers make. That's what they say in the article. So I'm going to quote that Zers. <laughs> and this is uh, people, according to this article, that are 16 to 24 years old currently. But I, I thought that was a little wider range. But anyways, Mississippi's the the uh, valley. Let's say the nice <laughs> word. And uh, their median annual income is $26,359.64, which, you know, I would assume would just be like the national average. Because when I was a kid, jobs were like McDonald's and Starbucks and or, or like working at Subway sandwiches or like in a movie theater selling tickets or something. So I thought oh, that makes sense. But the peak, Massachusetts, $43,000. Now, that's not median for the United States. It's still lower than the median for the average United States. But for someone who's like 22, mm. making $43,000, Wow. So for yeah. our American listeners, move to Massachusetts. <laughs> I know. Retire in Mississippi because, wow, you can make a lot of money in Massachusetts. Oh, wow. That probably gives off your uh, background in financial consulting of some sort. <laughs> California, uh, where I'm from, 38000 So it's a little bit above the average between the two states, but it's still a lot lower than Massachusetts. So I guess there's a lot going on around Boston. I guess Boston is probably... Boston Boston is very, like, Massachusetts is very it's, boutique, I feel. It's like. also university land, you know. all the, Some of the best universities are all clumped together in the same place Yeah, it's there. probably driving up the, the median a little bit more. And it's, it's Massachusetts is just so boutique to me. Every town is very compact. There's no big cities. Even Boston. Boston is small. It's not that big. And then the Boston municipality has different sections. There's Charlestown. There's South Boston, like South End and all of that. Um, uh, South, I mean, uh, I can't mm. remember. Not North Shore. Um, distant uh, memories. But you're the one that went there. I don't know. <laughs> I know. So I can just make it up. But yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. from Boston, you're, if you're from Massachusetts and listening to us. Just to uh, plug your you ears know. for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, very, it's very compact. It's like a very close 
close-knit. I have a silly question. Okay. Can you impersonate a Boston accent? Oh, my God. Okay, people in Massachusetts, please don't listen. Uh, <laughs> oh come on, God. come on. Matt, can you pack the car? <laughs> <laughs> I have this, okay, I have this, I have this anecdote. Um, that's not an anecdote. It's an actual story that was really, it was really funny. Not funny. Mm, it was mm. embarrassing for the girl. Uh, when we were reporting for the local newspapers in the Boston, uh, in the sorry, in the Massachusetts State House, we were going to all of these hearings, these meetings, and we would interview people who are trying to propose, you know, amendments to the bills or, you know, mm, whatever. Mm. And we were talking to this lady. It was such a nice lady. She was super gracious with her time. was like talking to us and we were taking notes because, you know, it was a time of like notepads and stuff. And this girl who's from DC in our, in our program and she's American, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, the lady was saying like, and it's just like, she said something like, uh, and it was just her hat, uh, her hat, something da 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 da. And then the, the girl said, did you say hats? And then she asked like three <laughs> times. And then until before she realized she was saying hearts, because it was like a oh, heart disease. My uh, heart. My heart, my heart. And then, and then she was like, oh my God, I feel like such, you know, I feel like <laughs> an ankle. Cause I'm like, I know, I know what she's here for. And I kept asking for, uh, for the, uh, the keyword. And then the same day, the same afternoon, another girl, another American girl came over to us and she was like, okay, guys, I'm going to really difficult situation i interviewed this guy this morning who works in like a a a tech startup and he told me the name of the company and i didn't look up or confirm at the moment and i don't know if it's called mac tech or mark tech (laughs) mac tech (laughs) so and then it just, oh, and then she was like, oh my God, I am so screwed. I don't know what to do. But okay. All right. Uh, Massachusetts people, you could, you could say, all right. We're, we're finished talking about you guys from an outsider's perspective. You know, I would imagine there are a lot of people in that because there are universities. Just, okay. Let me, let me give Wuhan as an example. There, there are a lot of good universities here. And so people, the reason the population has increased is if you have a bachelor's degree, you can change your hukou. Right then. That's how my wife was able to switch her hukou to being living in Wuhan. Like the first week we arrived within one week, she was a Wuhan person. So the population Mm. increased by 8 million over the course of like 10 years because there are all these universities. People came from all over and they stayed. They just were like, okay, well, why why go back home? I'm just going to stay in Wuhan. And now Wuhan is full of all these, you know, people in their 20s who were college educated. In the same way, I imagine a lot of folks in Massachusetts went there for university and stayed so yeah. i can imagine everyone in boston has that you know uh drawled out a sound in their vocabulary i guess that's just <laughs> lo- local folks yeah very know? local folks and most most of the time those those people are like residents from the south end from uh south bay i think and then like other parts of other parts of the municipality but boston city itself it's taken over by people who moved there for school and, and and stayed from every other part of the country or the world so you don't really get to hear a lot of actual mm-hmm. boston accent you know if you don't interact if you don't go seek to interact with uh local people they're like going to uh a, a, like a market or fair in south end so it's rare it's kind of rare even though it's very iconic <laughs>
on, we're still talking about Gen Z and Gen Millennials. There's another article, uh, Yahoo Lifestyle. Mm. The millennial boss shared <laughs> what it's like to have only Gen Z employees. And honestly, it sounds awesome. <laughs> so this is a very long title for, uh, it's like two sentences or something. Yeah. I guess the indication of this article is that, you know, people closer to together in their generations find it easier to relate to one another to some extent. But there's some really yeah. silly examples that I picked out. Like people apparently for this uh, business, they answer their emails with stuff like apologies for existing instead of I would write like kind regards, Jason, you know, that's or like whatever, you know, something like that. But they're, they're like, <laughs> da, 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 apologies for existing. And like this is like how they banter with each other, which millennial boss thinks is great and wonderful. So do you think that you have an easier time working with people who are identify as Gen X or who are identified as Gen X or people who are Gen Zers as a millennial? I'm a, I'm a little different. I <laughs> <laughs> I have a like, you did the nice word for people like me are sticklers, but you know, the, there are, there are other ways of saying that when I work, I like to work with people who operate like surgeons, mm. you know, like you, you have a very strict process and you're like super, uh, let's just be professional and, you know, make sure that we don't waste time. But at my current team, I do love, I really love the, there's one younger girl, on my team and she's very much like what the article is describing mm -hmm. when she's working she's very professional mm -hmm. like she's super professional and it's it's a matter of fact and then she's efficient with what she does mm -hmm. <laughs> but then she would she would because she sits behind me <laughs> she would just suddenly stop working turn around and say something <laughs> super random and then when she laughs it's so loud and infectious i love it and then she's she's not afraid of telling anyone the truth like you know she's like oh if if mm -hmm. like a male colleague's getting too close physically she's like uh <laughs> you're too close stay away you know so she doesn't she doesn't take anything like that's that she doesn't have to take from other people and then she's very sometimes she gets like a little rejection from other people in the office because she's like when she's in her play mode oh my god she's like can you take me to go meet your friends i want to go party i want to go have a drink with you guys just take me why won't you take me do you know love me da, 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 da. it's very it's very endearing mm -hmm. but then when you work with her it's it's very it's, she's very good at what she does and i do think that's a great there's a great there's a that's a good balance mm. of of a corporate work style i guess mm -hmm. if you if you choose to do i so. mean I, I actually really like the idea of being um being very competent at your job doing a really good job but then when it's just co-workers being able to be silly and let loose and not be really really stiff and uh, use corporate pleasantries and jargon. I think that's refreshing and nice personally. <laughs> but I do know when I was um, when I was younger that the older generation older than me, the people raising me, including my cousins who were not that old, were always like taken aback by my lack of using the way let me give you an example mm -hmm. that would be easier to understand. I used to answer the phone and just be like, what's up? And people <laughs> I would have my cousin get mad. 
Jason, that's not how you answer the phone. You're supposed Jason, to say, if you don't want to talk to me, you didn't have to pick like, up. <laughs> you want to talk to my mom? Let me get her and put the phone down. But that's not, no, you're supposed to, this year I would be lectured. Jason, you should say, well, how are you doing? And like, what? I'm supposed to do what? I'm busy. <laughs> like anyways. Yeah. I, I guess there are serious generational issues that, you know, create some, some traction and friction some of the time. I got, I have a f- series of questions that are more serious. <laughs> Let's see how serious they are. People, so say you are a Gen Zer. Mm-hmm. And you decide not not to take the job at Taco Bell for a couple of years. So you have a couple of years off. Mm-hmm. Let's not talk necessarily yet about what you might use that time for. But when you go back into work, let's say you didn't do anything that's corporate good, you know, corporate. It's like a good for your career thing. Well, how would HR mm-hmm. look at a gap like, oh, OK, it says here you didn't work for a year and a half. Why is that? How would HR look at someone with these kind of gaps in their resume? I, from my experience, I mean, even though I didn't take time, didn't take any time off, I did spend a much longer time in schools, uh, you know, for my master's. I did two, I was like almost five years. And that puts a huge disadvantage of entering the workforce really late. And then for the past three years before I joined my current company, I was doing freelance work and, you know, people are like, oh, you're bouncing from place to place. Why? You know, they do ask HR still do ask questions like that. But, you know, I think for Gen Z, they're not, they don't really care. <laughs> they don't really care about <laughs> how my, how my resume looks. They have, like I said, they have this confidence in themselves, mm-hmm. like as a person, like I know whatever I do, I will probably be able to survive. Like I am very resourceful, which they really, really are. They're very resourceful with whatever they could do, whatever they have as uh you know an alternative so they're not super uptight about how certain things would reflect on their resume but a lot of big corporates like even for me as a millennial i still i got when i was interviewing for jobs i got asked that question many times they're like mm-hmm. why didn't you work for a corporate before like you know what's your experience blah, blah, blah. what happened why did you leave this group leave that group i'm like well it didn't work out you know <laughs> what do you want me to say <laughs> <laughs> i just didn't work out um but I, I think I think it's just a longer it's a more winding path of, of, you know, looking for what they are truly passionate about. I saw this meme. I want to put some context on it. Mm-hmm. So firstly, if someone had been associated with HR conversations where we were hiring, it doesn't bother me personally. I, I'm like, OK, that's fine. But um, I saw this meme and this I thought was funny, but also I probably wouldn't hire them. Mm-hmm. It was up two bubbles where an HR person sitting there and they're interviewing a candidate and the HR person says, first, <laughs> can you explain this gap in your resume? And then and the interviewee responds with, can you explain your high turnover rate? And, <laughs> and I thought it was really funny, oh, like, I love like it. turning the tables on HR. I love but it. I'd also probably not hire that person because I'd be scared yeah, of like them. No. They're going to be tearing our company apart from the inside soon. You know, I know. this person is way too slick. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's I'm telling you, like HR ask like weird questions. Like, they really do. <laughs> I, I interviewed for this job a while ago and I was, again, not going to, not going to name names mm-hmm. it's it's sort of let's say like an international organization for a certain type of resource okay and then they're like oh you're mm. you're gonna come in tomorrow and then we're gonna ask you to answer a question the hr was like the recruiter was helping me mm. prep for the interview and she said you're gonna be asked this question and the question goes if you could help either a family to distribute their two million kwai family investment fund or you could be helping an organization distribute their 
a hundred million kwai investment fund. How would you, how would you do it? And I was like, I'm not interviewing for a financial <laughs> advisor position. <laughs> like, why are you asking me this question? I was interviewing mm. for like a communication manager. And so like, I guess they're trying to see, oh, if this person mm-hmm. has the basic understanding or good sense of investing for the organization, yada, yada, yada. But when I talked to my friend, my friend was like, my friend, someone who's in this industry for a long time. And he, he just rolled his eyes and he was like, oh my God, this is another, you know, cliche question that mm. HRs like to ask just to show they're, that they're doing something. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I know we all talk about HR, you know, sometimes doing this. I was part of the HR department for, for a little bit. Um, I do feel like a lot of the questions or a lot of the standards that are used uh, for maybe two, three decades on deciding what kind of employees are best for the company are getting a little <laughs> bit outdated with Gen Z be- becoming, they really are with Gen Z being kind of the main workforce as they're turning into their mid or late twenties. I want to talk about an interview that I did recently, uh, a few months back, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go a different direction on this than you, but I agree with you. I think some of the corporate like positions are definitely asking really bizarre questions that are out of date and don't make sense in today's workforce. But in my interview, they asked me a couple of questions that I didn't have great answers for at the time, but they actually evoked me to think about responses to those mm-hmm. that changed my fundamental understanding of the, the future role that I might be able to play with their company. And it really opened my mind up to growing in a new way. So I think some some HRs, depending on what kind of st- work you might be going into, can actually yeah. ask the right kind of questions to put you on track um, for the expectations might be in that field. I want to ask you a different question. Though. Yeah. So you mentioned getting a master's degree or two master's degrees or something. Yeah. Wow, it was, too, it was too much for me to keep up with. I was, my head was spinning. But um, there are online platforms for learning, and I'm not talking about DeVry University or whatever it is, uh, or Trump University. Uh, what's what's the other one? Oh, I can't remember. I used to see those, like Phoenix University or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Online Phoenix, University of Phoenix online or something like yeah, that. University, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some courses like Coursera, and Coursera is not one university. It uh-huh. pools different universities universities like certificates yeah. together so yeah. that you can go online. Sometimes you can take them for free and sometimes you could take them for free, but you don't get a certificate. And sometimes you can pay for them and you can take like an online Harvard management or course or whatever, and you yeah. pay for it and you get the certificate in the mail or whatever it is. And so like, I'm wondering what your opinions are about these. If you're, if you are a Gen Z and you're listening to us today, you're 23 and you're, you decided you don't want to work at Kmart. Do you think that these online certificates certificates are a good use of their time? I think so. Definitely. I mean, these are, it's like opening up all of the available opportunities for people, but I feel like these kind of uh, websites, resources, you know, uh, there's Coursera, there's like Udemy, there's like other, Mm. uh, what's the other one called? Linda. Khan Academy. Yeah. Khan Academy. Have you heard of Khan Khan Academy? Academy? It's it's totally free. You can like learn calculus. Right. Which I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm going to learn calculus. It's too complicated. But uh, I, I want to do it as a hobby someday. I'm always meant to learn it better. Oh, we'll see. We can, we can follow up on that. We can follow up on that. It'll be a fun, it'll be a fun <laughs> thing to do.
Um, but I think a lot of these uh, websites and programs started to come into existence because there are demands like that. Mm. Like people are getting more and more aware of what they can do versus what they want to do. And when they work, it I feel like people are starting, people start to feel like I don't want to be just exploited. I want to also realize my own value mm. in the process of working for whatever corporation or whatever, even mm, mm. like however small the company yeah, is. What can your company be? do for my group. right like i think yeah. it's it's like having a good relationship we both have to kind of grow otherwise it's just like you know it might work but one of you is not going to be very happy i think <laughs> or i could be wrong i don't know <laughs> that's the fast food job right you're learning to make burritos or whatever is not gonna help unless your your dream is to open your own taco truck or something yeah exactly right, yeah. exactly it has to match what your where where your heart is mm. so a lot of people are in need of even if they are not actually trying to use the certificate they do want to know more about what they like to do or what it's like to like what could it be like for me to change career? And then these organizations, these programs with the certificates that they're putting together, it actually helps people uh, with their career transitions. Like mm. if you want to go from mm. just, uh, you know, a secretary and you're like, I want to pick a focus and I want to be a, a copywriter. And then we're like, hey, I know that I don't have a copywriting background, but I do have mm, other mm, working mm. background and I have a certificate of copywriting, whatever. Mm, mm, it mm, really mm. does help them with transitioning into different uh, uh, positions. I think this is very... Uh... Uh, you know, on point for the next question. You work for a big tech company. I don't know that maybe you don't work, work in a technical role, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, if say so, uh, that seems to be like a job that a lot of young people want. Yeah. So they want to work for these big tech companies. They're very popular. There are movies about going to work for them and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, there's a whole culture of like, this is the, the direct. And there are really ex extravagant jobs like doing upright video technology for phones and stuff that are available yeah. for people with really extreme skills but let's say someone wants to work in, in a tech company what's a good way for a young person to uh, get their resume ready or <laughs> to develop themselves for that kind of for an entry-level position um i'm going to speak on this matter from two perspectives that's how that's always how we speak at meetings um <laughs> <laughs> so if we want to talk about a safe advice for you know the majority of young kids who are looking at this i got asked i was it's a funny story on the train. I, I one day I just left work and we had to swipe our card to to leave the building, right? Mm -hmm. So I had my badge uh, hung around my neck because I lose things very easily. Mm. So I had it hung around my neck and I forgot. I always forget to take it off. So I went on the subway with the badge on my neck and I sat down next to this guy who started typing like you know super intensely and then he kept like looking over at me and I was like, what is this guy doing? It's really odd. I just focused on my phone and then. And he leaned in super close and he's like, you work for this company? I'm like, huh, yes. And then he goes, he goes uh, what do I need to do if I want to work as a developer in your company? I'm like, mm. huh. I said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> and then I wanted to say HR, but I was like, oh no, he's going to think that I'm a, oh, yeah. I'm a recruiting you can HR. Me. Yeah. I Come was on. Like, and then I said, no, I'm just, I just teach English in my company. I don't know. These, I don't know the other, you know, the other departments. And he was very, very like angst about it. Like, mm. I was like, oh my God, someone who works for this company, I want to work for. Um, I've been with the company for, I think, almost uh, eight months now. And 
uh, six months, sorry. It's not eight months. So I've been with the company for six months now. And I've seen a lot of people who I thought would be able to get in mm. pretty easy. And they didn't. Mm. And there are other surprise hires that just mm-hmm. kind of make me <laughs> Surprise, go. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Really? You? <laughs> so we are going to work together. Huh, okay. All right. <laughs> so if I want to give you a safe advice, I say just be you have to have more of uh unless you're like a tech yeah. person like you're you're a coder you're a designer then yeah you know and you don't have to focus too much on your soft skills per se like mm. it's your core mm. skills that really matter and for young kids mm. um forget it forget about everything i was saying earlier but if you're young kids in college you want to get into these big companies if this is the first job that you land when you uh, leave college it's going to be amazing and for you to do that just make sure that you can work on whatever projects you can when you're still in college make that your portfolio make that whatever experience you could talk about um, because those things are are what go what's going to give you a really like like a huge leg up when you interview for these companies. So that's for young kids um want who want to work in key roles of these mm, big mm. tech companies. But if you're working for let's say the word that would that's come up a couple of times today, like downstream positions that are not like mm-hmm. key development roles of the company for example like mm-hmm, operation mm-hmm, communication uh supports or, or like other parts of the company you really need to be someone this is my understanding i've recommended quite a few people people i thought that would be good or who are good at their job mm-hmm. and the company said no to all of them and it's mm. not you know there might be the case where you know the hr was just not performing you know or doing their job 100%. It's very likely. But also, I have friends who are very, 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 very good at their crafts. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that craft is not a key, you know, uh, craft that's needed in the company. Like, they need someone to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And when when it's the case where they need just someone to do it, not they need you to do it, yeah. then that someone needs to be a person with a very high score in terms of an overall package. And I don't mean by like the way you look and stuff, but you have to be able to like communication skills are very much underrated for a lot of people, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. for big corporates like this, like my company and other tech companies, if you're working in operation or supporting roles, you really have to be able to work kind of like a well-oiled screw. So so that, so that the whole, so you have to be very efficient and very good at communication very positive very outgoing that kind of you thing. might be surprised at how just that combination could land you a lot of different opportunities mm-hmm. i mean like a lot of people are like oh well like for example um if i'm a translator i, I, I can translate i i can interpret it but like the devil's wears product but the product that she becomes at the end sort of sort of, sort of. <laughs> other questions too yes or maybe we could discuss them a little bit um how do you think that younger generations because of their differences from older generations are redefining actually you know what before i ask this question how old are you how do you think your coders are are any of them older like my age or all of the are coders generally young they're generally young i feel like you know how people say the cutoff time uh, sorry the cutoff age in internet companies tech companies is 35 Mm. um it might not be completely true but it 
most of the time is true. A lot of the coders, a lot of designers are 35, 36. You know, some the people in more senior roles might be... Those the older coders are 35, 36. Yeah, wow. like if you're in more senior positions or manager positions for those departments, I just you're curious. like 36, 37. Um, I was just curious. Let's get back to the serious yeah. question. I was just curious because that I think that's an interesting question and that's what you hear a lot. So I was just making sure the stereotype was true. But like how are young people changing how business is done because I can give one really quick example in my former company because we had that speaker come one of the things that they were trying to get us to retool was not actually what we did as a company but our messaging about what we did as a company yeah so the idea was for middle managers to sell younger generations the idea that what we did meaningfully impacted the world so we're talking about yeah. okay young people want to self-develop and they want to be a positive influence in the world so we need to firstly, we'll give them the opportunity to self-develop and then we'll show them how we're meaningfully impacting the world. The idea wasn't let's meaningfully impact the world. It was sell that aspect of our company to young hires. Anyways, what do you think? Which is a little sad. Yeah, a little sad. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, I think it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning because of the way Gen Z grew up or the time that they grew up in. They just look for different things. They really do. Mm. Their skill sets mm. are essential to this like rapidly growing updating self-updating self-eval self-revolutionizing industry and you kind of really do need them and you, like corporates if they want to survive or grow sometimes they really just have to change what they think is the best way to in engage employees and do it the the gen z way mm. and like you said it's absolutely true gen z definitely want to know more about what you're doing like that's why a lot of more and more companies are setting together setting aside a big part of their budget to do the corporate social responsibility because mm, 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 it matters mm. to their employees would you say um in your experience with the companies that you've worked for that companies are finding ways to be positive have positive impacts on community yeah like our our company actually has a department to do just charity work mm, mm, uh mm. incorporating all of the product lines within the company and um the new benefits policy that just came out a couple of weeks ago said that every year i think the employee has i think one day of charity day off like if you want to go do like volunteer work or you know any charity um, event you got a day off uh, you know one thing i did notice i i don't know when this policy went to an into effect about the same time that we were doing this marketing campaign to our new hires or later mm -hmm. or earlier. I'm not sure, but there was, if you contribute to recognized charitable organizations, the company would match your donations. Yeah. So that, that was one thing that they were doing to retool, to appeal to younger employees who wanted to cause benefits to cause benefits to benefit the, yeah. <laughs> you know, charities that they care about issues that they cared about that would meaningfully impact the world. We're out of time, mm. Alex. I th there are a bunch of questions here that I did not get to ask and that they're related, but also they could be their own um, episode. Topic. Maybe we <laughs> we could come back around because, you know, we've talked about generational differences and uh, change before a couple of times. I think that this is something that we can come back to again. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, talking about the whole Gen Z competitiveness and their their need to realize their you know sense of individualism at workplace it's 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 a fascinating topic well i hope our listeners also find it fascinating and i look forward <laughs> to speaking with you again Alex. that speaks to both of us bye-bye bye-bye right,